and welcome you on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, episode number 32 here with Mitch Spinell, myself, and himself, Mitchell Bala. Mitch, it's good to be uh, back here talking about sports, and uh, you know, it's, it's getting to the colder stretch of the year, and we're going to be seeing more of that into the weekend. Possibly not, because we might be seeing a change here very soon, but we'll get to that very soon. I was going to say, Mitch, are we here to talk about sports or are we here to talk about the weather today? Because it looks like the weather is going to be a factor in a lot of the things we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's already uh, it's been gray for the last uh, 48 hours. The snow was falling in Cleveland yesterday, and uh, it's probably going to be falling even further uh, this weekend, especially in Buffalo. Before we get into our topics today, I want to remind you guys, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. That's where you can find our uh uh, all, our, all of our episodes as well as here on YouTube. Um, you can also find us on our website, bigtimesportsohio.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know all the links. We've said it uh, however many times throughout these shows. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. This coming weekend, alongside some of the games I mentioned, uh, just I hinted at just a little bit ago, we're going to have two prominent games between our areas mitch and high school football still for the upcoming regional finals and the state playoffs you have on the stark side you have uniontown lake taking on maslin washington in what essentially is kind of like a battle for the county and for my area you have indian valley trying to move on against steubenville in their respective region so mitch let's go into your side first you look at these two teams this year maslin has since week one been on a a terror, uh, a terrorist stretch for opposing schools. They've had a great offense so far, especially in the postseason. Uh, they, they've been able to really shut down teams, especially late in games. And then late comes in, not with uh, as dominant a run as Maslin has had this year, but this is a very capable team that is able to run the ball very well. Has had one of the breakout stars of the playoffs in Will Butler, and you see them be able to pull out these victories in the last two weeks. Is it possible that Lake can pull off a third victory like this uh, against the Tigers? Well, Mitch, I want to make sure that I, I at least say something to Lake's defense after what you said. Masson's been very impressive offensively. And let's be honest, that's what puts fans in the seats, right? You want to see a lot of high scoring. You want to see a lot of action. Lake has been very impressive this far, just on the defensive side of the ball, Mitch. They have held their opponents to very little scoring opportunities. They limit the big plays, and that's why Lake's here. Lake is down, Matthew Solberger. We are waiting to see what the injury actually is. There's conflicting reports out there. And once again, this is a high school athlete. There is no, they are not required to disclose the information. All I can tell you is after covering the game last week against Westerville South, he left after the second play of the game, unable to put pressure on one of his legs, was on crutches. After the game, he is seen saying he'll be ready for this week, but we will have to wait and see. But Lake's defense is the reason they're here, along with Will Butler. Will Butler, now if Saulberger's out, Mitch, we might be seeing another Will Butler at tailback performance with Kale Jarvis in there at quarterback. Lake, if you aren't familiar with him yet, you're going to be very familiar with him now. They typically have a two-quarterback system with Jarvis and Butler, but with Saulberger out, Butler has slid into the tailback position. I think we're going to see more of that. And when Butler and Saulberger are in there together, you see the option a lot, which is hard for defenses. This is going to be a fun game, a tough game for both sides. This is the first time these schools will ever meet on a football field, Mitch. There's a lot of history with Masson and other Stark County schools, typically Glen Oak. Obviously, we know McKinley. Green last year beating Masson in the same exact spot in the same spot of the playoffs, only that game took place at Mansfield an hour away. Lake's going to try to do the same thing. 
Lake will have their hands full though, Mitch. Maslin is a loaded team, a talented team, a very well-coached team with Nate Moore. And it's a team that is, you know, looking for revenge as a lot of people put it, because they know that the favorite right now in division two is Hoban. And they want to see Hoban again, a team that beat them once in the state semifinals and another time in the state championship. This game is going to be fun. You throw the records out the window, obviously both teams, well, Lake obviously winning the games they've gotten to at this point. Maslin has been the hottest team since week one of the high school football season, at least in our area, after losing to Moeller, who, no shock here, is one of the final eight teams in Division One football. So they lost to a quality opponent. Maslin since then has only beaten everybody they've played, including St. Ed's, who's number one in the state of Ohio for Division One. I think this game is really going to come down to who limits the turnovers, which another key thing to point out, Mitch, Lake's punter who does kickoffs can be a little tough there. Will be out. He broke his foot last week in the Westerville South game, uh, actually running down, covering a kick and believe it or not, did not know it was broken or might be an arm. Sorry. Came in the next day with a sling on the coaches go, what happened? He goes, I didn't know I was hurt last night. The adrenaline got to me. And that's what you see a lot in these moments. You see kids that might get hit hard that stay in this game. And the next day they feel it. Adrenaline's a real thing in this game. Which team can fire off the adrenaline, but at the same time, stay composed and focused is who's going to win this game. Because this is not an easy walkthrough for Maslin. Typically you see Maslin, you think, okay, they're going to beat everybody in Stark County. Green proved that wrong last year. And I think Lake can do the very same. But man, oh man, is this going to be fun? An hour away at Byersfield and Parma, and it's going to be cold. 32 degrees is the high tomorrow. It's looking like it's going to be about 28 degrees maybe at kickoff. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's been a lot of banter on social media all week, Mitch. I know you've seen it between the two schools and communities, uh, including the student sections going at it. It's actually been a lot of fun to see opposing Federal League student section and student accounts get involved with it too. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say we know who most of Stark County is going to be rooting for, but Masson has an entire city behind him. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, there was a there was a, a, an exchange of replies in one of the tweets on on the BTS Ohio Twitter account that I was kind of just sitting back and, and watching unfold. And then, of course, Barstool Lakes. I didn't even know high schools had Barstool accounts. I thought it was just reserved for colleges and cities, but uh, that's pretty funny, actually. Uh, and then on our side, we see Indian Valley take on a big red team that had a solid win last week. And the Braves had a good win against Bishop Reedy, 34 to 10. And this is a team that I don't know if people expected Indian Valley to make it this far into the division four region 15 tournament. So we've had Matt Lancaster on the show before, and we talked a lot about, about uh, what the team has been able to, was able to bring early on in the season. One of those pieces was Sam, was quarterback, Sam Carter, second year quarterback. He is out with an injury, kind of like the situation with uh, Solberger. Although I don't know if Solberger is, uh, he's been officially ruled out for this week. We'll know tomorrow night. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So he's got an ACL here. He's not coming back. Indian Valley has been uh, uh, really been working with this two quarterback system, similar to uh, what Lake's been doing. Uh, guys like Colton Thomas have been able to step up, and Thomas has been one of the best what two way players for the Braves so far this season. Uh, a very good defensive player, as well as receiver for Carter. And then you have that that two uh, back system that they have here uh, with some very very good players that the Braves can get going on offense. The defense, it, like Lake, is the main thing right now because Indian Valley. You, give up only 10 points to Reedy and you're able to uh, keep your team 
at pace with other schools that if you weren't playing so well defensively, you, you couldn't catch up with them on your offense. I wonder what Indian Valley is going to be able to do against Steubenville this week based on Steubenville's uh, uh, recent victory. And again, this, this two quarterback system, I think can work. They're not utilizing the quarterbacks a lot right now. I believe Thomas was only four or five for uh, 95 yards in the past game. And they'll have to rely on uh, the rushing game. They'll have to rely on it heavily and try to milk that clock. I think as much as they can to get touchdowns that will mean more because they can, you know, it's, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be such a high scoring game for Indian Valley that if they're going to make the, get the touchdowns, make them count, make them count at the end of long drives, drives that'll eat up the, the time of possession. And uh, we shall see if Indian Valley will be able to make what would be their first state tournament appearance. Now, as for the late game, you can find that one uh, on replay in your local areas, uh, local access cable channel. If you're in Tuscarora uh, County, you can find the replay of the Lake Maslin game uh, this coming Friday at 11 p.m. That is the same time on uh, MCT 128 and Spectrum 989 in Stark. And then that game will be played on Saturday once again at 9 a.m. So Friday at 11 p.m. after the game, right after. And then uh, Saturday at 9 a.m. You can catch it up the following morning. Mitch, the last thing I wanted to state for both Lake and Maslin, and I want to make sure we touch on just quickly, West Branch, still alive. Yes. They will be taking on Jefferson, who just beat Canton South this past weekend. Uh, that will be a very fun game. Both of those teams, Mitch, put up a lot of points. So maybe if you're looking for a game to go watch, it's going to be a lot of points. I would point to West Branch and Jefferson area, uh, that game, because Maslin Lake has the potential to be a shootout, but at the same time with how those teams have played, I'm expecting a defensive bout right there. One thing I want to point out for both sides, both D3 or D4, excuse me, as well as D2. Let's start with D2. These are actually just released by the OHSAA. So keep in mind, what's different between football and other sports is typically, let's go to high school baseball really quick. Mitch, follow me along here. I know it probably doesn't make sense at the start. When you get to the region, the regional winner already knows what region they will be playing in baseball in the state final four, if that makes sense. Those brackets are predetermined before the tournament starts. In football, it's a little different. It does impact who wins, where, and where they would play next. So OHSA did release this today. This is for Maslin and Lake fans. If Toledo Central Catholic loses to Avon, the Maslin Lake winner will face then the winner out of the Cincinnati region next week at Historic Crew Stadium in Columbus. If Toledo Central Catholic beats Avon, the Maslin Lake winner will then take on Hudson or Hoban at a site to be determined. So where Ho where Maslin Lake, the winner will go, determines if Avon wins or Toledo Central Catholic wins. We know, though, if Avon wins, Lake and Maslin will be going to Historic Crew Stadium in Columbus to take on the Cincinnati region winner. And if Toledo Central Catholic wins. They will be playing Hudson or Hoban. Probably a, another game around this area, Mitch, um, because those these schools aren't that far separated apart. And then for Division or for West Branch, Glenville plays Van Wert, and this is just for any West Branch fans out here as well. If Glenville does beat Van Wert, they will face the West Branch and Jefferson winner next Saturday at Northwest High School. If Van Wert wins. The West Branch and Jefferson winner will play the Steubenville Indian Valley winner at East Liverpool. 
So just another tidbit for you to remember in this, we were talking about Indian Valley and Steubenville. So a number, number of these games are already set, or as, excuse me, locations. It's going to depend on who they win, but we will have all the updated info after this weekend when we record and have the next episode out on Monday. Absolutely. We'll have it on the, on the podcast and we'll have it on our uh, uh, big time sports socials as well as big time sports, Ohio.com. So when we come back, we mentioned that weather, man, it's going to get a little bit uh, cold and flurry out here in Cleveland and especially out in Western New York. So we'll see what happens here coming this Sunday. We'll be back right after this. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Balla. Mitch, before we get into our main topic, I want to quickly go over the Monday night game because we didn't get to it on our last recording. And, you know, there are the, the 72 Dolphins can pop the champagne corks now because there are no more unbeatens this season. Philadelphia losing to Washington 32-21 a game in which I don't believe any of us uh, picked for our predictions last week. Yeah, we went goose egg for four on all of them because, look, at the time – Washington didn't seem like this impressive team, but they somehow were able to just own the football for the majority of that game. Philadelphia wasn't able to make a bunch of impact plays. They made a bit of a run late, uh, got screwed out of a couple of calls that I think were a little bit questionable, but uh, Washington pulling out a victory, man. And I, I think this is a, 
this might be the end of Carson Wentz's time as a starter for Washington. I think Taylor Heineke is going to run it the rest of the way. Uh, I completely agree with you there. And Carson Wentz is now eligible to come off the IR. Keep in mind, he was not benched for play. He was benched because he was hurt. Um, and generally the rule of thumb, Mitch, at least back in the day when we were younger, is you never lose your starting spot due to injury. Well, when you sucked at your job and the team was not performing well and the guy comes in and gives a spark, you're going to lose your job because of the injury and because of your play before you were hurt. Taylor Heineke, Mitch, he's never going to be a top 10 quarterback. He's not going to ever need to be, though. They are winning right now with average quarterback play. He can make some plays, though. I'm not going to take that away from him. But when Taylor Heineke plays average quarterback play, you see what a team can do when they have other pieces around him. Not to mention, Mitch, the Washington Commanders now might be getting their best overall player on the roster back this week in Chase Young. Chase Young, a former number two overall pick, has not played yet this year because he tore his ACL so late in the season last year, and they were adamant. They were going to take their time. They did not want to rush him. There's a lot of people who believe he was the next generational talent in terms of pass rusher, like you see with TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Von Miller, and the list is so on and so forth. That could be a huge spark. Washington went in and played the style of football that you have to play to beat the Eagles, Mitch. You have to play winning football. Yes, that's a given. But they played almost a boring game of football that I think some coaches and teams are way too stubborn to play, and that is milk the clock early in the game and keep Jalen Hurts off the field. That is how you beat teams like the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. I believe that's how you beat Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. At the same time, though, if you leave them 30 seconds, we know what happens. Same with Aaron Rodgers. That's how you beat these teams, though. These A lot of teams these days, Mitch, I want to say probably at least a third, we'll, we'll say a fourth for this, are way too stubborn and thinking we got to score, 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 score. If you don't score, then you're giving the ball right back to the team that's going to score with how we know they play. Washington executed their plan perfectly. If you're the Eagles, though, Mitch, Look, the Dolphins, the only team, you mentioned it, the 72 Dolphins, only undefeated team. Being undefeated and carrying the weight of now 50 plus years of being the only undefeated team and, you know, being the last lone undefeated team in the regular season, I believe is so much pressure. A loss like they had the other night where they really didn't play poorly. Washington just made sure they couldn't play to their standard. I believe this is actually going to help the Eagles. I know you don't want to lose. Um, they still have the head-to-head over Minnesota for the number one seed in the NFC because of that week two win. I think it's a good thing for the Eagles to lose here. Um, but Washington, don't look now, half game out of a playoff spot. And Mitch, if they were to somehow get a playoff spot, every team in the AFC East and the NFC East would make the playoffs today. Obviously, the half game would keep Washington out, but seven of the eight East teams would make the playoffs of the playoffs started today. Who had that before the season? That's actually really funny. I didn't even realize I I had figured out the East thing, but not the the, the East thing, the AFC, not the NFC. But uh, that that's pretty funny. As for uh, this coming week, it is now week eleven. Yes, yeah. yes, week eleven of the season now, and uh, we're focused in on a game that we're not even sure if it's going to happen at this point. And the way that it is going, it's going to happen, but it's not. We're not sure if it's going to happen the way we would expect it to. That game being out in Western New York between the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns. There was a report, I think it was uh, from Dan Graziano, and here it is. It says, it's not out of the question that the Browns-Bills game could be moved to a different location due to an impending snowstorm. The NFL is monitoring the storm in contact with both teams and local officials and says it can make a decision as late as Friday if needed. Now, checking out the Buffalo snowstorm this weekend, Mitch, I mean, we're looking at 
a lake effect snow warning. Uh, the governor, the governor of New York, Kathy Hodges, will hold a storm briefing. Uh, be, event begin begin began at 10 a.m. earlier today. There was like an up to four feet of lake effect snow in the forecast. That we're talking like maybe waist high for some people, if not more, which is insane. And it's going to only really it's going to really affect the way people are going to get to the stadium, where the players are going to be able to get to the stadium, going to be able to fit inside, get to play. So I'm thinking they would have to move this one. I know there's a whole thing of how playing in the snow is part of tradition. And we've seen snow games like this before. I think recently one of the most classic ones was a game between Chicago and Detroit, or was it Green Bay and Detroit a few years ago when Calvin Johnson got the helmet full of snow. Um, but that's the the most recent one that comes to mind. I, I think because people have been saying move it to Detroit because the Lions are out of town this week, that might be the most viable move, even though it might you know piss off some Bills fans. That's the only move that can be possibly be made, Mitch. And they're going to have to make a decision here in the next 24 hours as we record this on Thursday to obviously get released when listeners will be listening to this on Friday. By the time people listen to this, this could very well already have changed. The only op- you have two options here, and pushing the game back is not an option because Buffalo plays on Thanksgiving Day. Yep. They cannot be pushed back to Monday and only have two days of rest. That's not, uh, I, I don't believe that's even feasible in the uh, agreement between the NFL and NFLPA. So this game's either being played in Buffalo in the snow or it's being moved to Detroit. The reason they have to make a decision so quickly, though, Mitch, is because the snow is supposed to get so bad starting tomorrow, they have to be able to get the bills out of Buffalo. And they're saying the snow is going to stack up so quickly. They're not sure a flight could take off. But the other problem is they're not sure Cleveland could land. Cleveland has said they will be flying. This is a game they've typically taken a bus before. Uh, You mentioned the governor of New York has actually already shut down I-90, which takes you from the Pennsylvania border into all the way Rochester, New York, I believe, which would mean no way to get to Buffalo, New York for commercial use only. So trucks and all the delivery type things, no residential, obviously you still have to use it because of work, but this is very interesting because as a Browns fan, Mitch, I think I truthfully believe the only way we have a chance of winning would be to play in the snow to where it'd be a struggle to pass. Uh, If you let Josh Allen, the bills aerial attack play indoors with no elements on the turf, uh, this game will be over before it started. And if you let the Browns play outside in the snow, a, typically a run first team hasn't really seemed like that this year. Um, you would think the Browns would be able to handle the bills, but at the same time, how far is going to get running through that much snow? It's not going to be six feet of snow on the ground when they're playing people. Obviously the stadium will be shoveled and plowed to the best of the ability, but I, I already saw a tweet today saying Jim Donovan breaking down Nick Chubb's uh, long run when he goes from the 40 to the 39 to the 38 and a half to the 38. Yeah. They're saying that's going to be a long run because the snow will be that much of a factor. I want the snow game though, Mitch. I want the 2007 snow bowl again, where the Browns won eight, nothing Yep. You Phil Dawson field goal. Can we get Phil Dawson out of retirement? There is, this is not any shade towards Cade York. Phil Dawson though, prove has proven he can kick in this type of weather. He hit two field goals in 07 to push the Browns to nine and five. And there was a safety out of the back of the end zone of the bills. Come on, Phil, just one time for us, please just come out of retirement and kick for us one time. Never forget Bills punter Brian Mormon, uh, the ball slipping through his hands on the punt, and then he got to kick it out of the end zone. Smart move by him, but uh, kind of just gave added emphasis to uh, 
to a game like that. And and I it would be cool to see it in the snow, but we're saying that as guys who are going to be watching it in room temperature houses or offices. I mean, that, that I, I, I don't know. For their sake, I wanted them to move it. But I understand what you're saying in that if the Browns want a chance to utilize their best strengths, play in the snow, limit Buffalo's passing game, and, maybe, and if the Browns defense decides to show up like they did the two weeks before last week, then there's a, there's a chance. I will say Wyatt Teller has already came out and said he would like to play in the snow. He said he likes playing in the elements. I think offensive yeah. linemen love to play in the snow to begin with. Um, I think it's just part of their mentality and DNA. Um, we're going to see. We're either going to see a sloppy game, Mitch, that I would literally tell you I don't even know if there will be 20 points combined scored in that game, or we're going to see a game that goes to Detroit, and I would be shocked if the Bills don't score 40 by themselves. We shall see. I mean, that it's, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out who we're taking for our game, for our picks this week, but let's go to the pickums for week 11. So we start off with the Thursday night game. And this was interesting because of the result from this past Sunday, you guys all taking the Packers over the Titans. Now the Titans haven't been fantastic. They're first place in the AFC South, but I don't know if that'll last green Bay though, coming off a win over Dallas in overtime. This is interesting. Like, I don't know if I'm as in tune with the Packers this week as much as you guys are, because a lot of people were saying that, you know, Aaron Rodgers has got his team back. They got, they're going to get it again. They're going to go. Um, Mitch, kind of take you through why you're taking the Packers for week 11. I'm, I'm taking the Packers for two reasons. One, I am a firm believer that both them and the Buccaneers have woken up now. Um, I think the Bucs are a team that you don't want to see. I think the, the Packers, are a team that woke up after that win over the Cowboys, but at the same time, the Packers have no room for air right now. They have to play for a wild card spot because realistically it would take a monumental collapse from the Vikings who the Packers still play at home, I believe, but it's going to take a monumental collapse and the Packers are going to really have looking at how the NFC is shaping up, Mitch, you look at someone like the giants with seven wins already. They win three more. You're probably in the Packers can really only forward one more loss somewhere. The Titans are a good team. I think this game is actually going to be very entertaining and close. I'm just taking the home team. That's really what this is coming down to. Who do I trust more and where's it at? One, it's in Green Bay. Two, I trust Aaron Rodgers over Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball any day of the week. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. I think this actually should be one of the better Thursday night games that Amazon gets to call this year. Hopefully for Alan Kirk's sake. So then we go over to the game between uh, NFC North Chicago versus NFC South Atlanta. Now, Chicago has lost three in a row, but the big story behind them has been Justin Fields has been starting to look like a franchise quarterback. He has seven touchdowns in the last three games compared to one interception and four touchdowns with on the ground. I like what I'm seeing from him. I'm really liking that he's actually starting to grow into his own player and gain some more confidence, just that they cannot win. They can't get a victory against some of these teams. And against Dallas and Miami, it makes sense, but – letting Detroit come back in the way they did was, was, was brutal. So um, I don't know if I'm with you guys, you guys got all bears uh, picks for this week. I'm going Falcons just to be, just to not only be different, but because I legit think that they just can't buy a win at this point. I'm with you. This was a tough game, but I'm, I'm just basing this one off of the quarterback play right now. Marcus Mariota has been all over social media for his wonderful throw where he was literally, uh, you know, completely flipped in the air last yeah. week in the Thursday night game. It's a team that lost to the Panthers. This is a team that still has an outside shot of getting in the playoffs because their division is so bad, but I'm going to take the bears right now because I trust fields more. 
What was worse, Mariota's throw or Brandon Whedon's forearm pass in his first game with the Browns? You know what I'm talking about. Brandon Whedon's pass. Yeah, I mean, it was that pass was like, eh. anyway. Uh, then we go over to an NFC AFC East matchup between the Jets and the Patriots. You know, Jets, uh, they're kind of a mystery to me at this point. They seemed like they were on a run, and then they just looked like garbage the last couple of times. The Patriots, it's kind of the same thing. And, they, and these are two teams that are both in playoff contention right now in the in the, in the the East. It's a toss-up. The game is going to be played in, I believe, New England in Foxborough. Yes. Yep. So I think I'm going to go with Patriots this week just for the home advantage. I'm taking the Patriots too. This is a team that won in New York just a couple of weeks ago, Mitch. Uh, I trust Bill Belichick against a quarterback like Zach Wilson. Um, all Both these teams are in playoff position right now. A Patriots win very well could keep the Jets in playoff position, actually, with how many wins the Jets have. Uh, but I will ride with Bill against the Jets. Okay, so I skipped, I skipped this one on accident. So now the Eagles are a one-loss team. They take on a team uh, on the road that won their uh, their game, their first game with a new head coach this past week, the Indianapolis Colts. Mitch, can Jeff Saturday do it again, or is this like the game where they come back down to earth and Philly rebounds? Philly rebounds. Yeah, it, yeah, they're just they're just the better team. This is nothing against. Yeah. Jeff. I don't care who's coaching the Colts. The, the Eagles are the better team. Now this game between the Rams and the Saints. The Rams are on a slide right now. They have lost five out of their last six. They've lost three in a row going into this one. And the Saints aren't that good either. They're three and seven on the season. But is this a game, Mitch, where New Orleans pulls out what would be, I believe, an upset victory? No, excuse me. New Orleans is the favorite this one. At home, uh, a three-point favorite. It's the Saints that are going to win this game because I have not seen Matt Stafford with the Rams without Cooper Cup, who's now an injured reserve after having surgery on a high ankle sprain. Um, the Rams are just a bad football team right now. You want to talk about the Super Bowl hangover, Mitch? I think you alluded to it in our previous episode. This is the epitome of a Super Bowl hangover. They have injuries. Their offensive line is terrible. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Saints at home. I'm going with the Saints as well. So then let's go over now to Detroit and the Giants. You got one guy in here going bold, taking the Lions. Um, the other ones are for New York. New York hasn't been uh, – they've been fine since their loss to uh, to Seattle. It's not like they were this amazing team that's been winning game after game since then. But I think I'm going to go with the Giants in this one just because they have more talent and uh, and a sense. The G-men. Is that, oh, yeah, you're the one that wrote G-Men on your thing. Um, yeah, you don't call them the football giants. You go just go with G-Men. G-Men. All right, G-Men. All right, so Ravens and Panthers. Let's just pick Ravens and call it a day. Uh, let's go over now to Washington and the Texans. You got Texans in this one. Explain why. There's never been a better spot for a letdown game from Washington. <laughs> After beating the Eagles, this has letdown game written all over it. It's in Houston. I'm just trying to be different here and pick an upset, and I'm taking the Texans. That's fair. Washington only a three-point favorite going into the game, so you're not – I think I don't think you're crazy for doing so. I, I still got to go with the commies just to, you know, uh, they're a better team. <laughs> okay, so now we have the Raiders and the, the Broncos, two very questionable AFC West teams. And this game's in Denver, so you're going with the home advantage. You're going Broncos. Um you know, we 
maybe the Raiders can fight for a win this week to try. And it's not even to save Josh McDaniel's job because we saw that report where the Raiders are so cash poor that they have to pay. They have to employ McDaniels this season and next season, at least in order to make it worth the money that they gave him. So I, I think I'll go with Raiders just for uh, uh, another drop game for Denver, just because whatever. I'm also on the Raiders. I know on there it's a little inside joke. Yeah, um, yeah. Someone's favorite team. I'm taking the Raiders, though. I think the Raiders do beat the Broncos. Now, this was not one that I would have expected to be such a high-profile game uh, 11 weeks ago. The Cowboys and the Vikings. Mitch, you're going to think I'm nuts. And I believe this game is in the middle of the afternoon, if I'm not mistaken, because this would be America's – game of the week yes you're gonna think i'm nuts i think after that win over the bills the minnesota vikings have proven themselves to be a serious contender for the nfc this year and i know that you know your whole thing about cousins oh it's one o'clock you know 425 is not prime time he can still get it done then i think that uh, dallas kind of had some very serious issues against the packers mainly with the turnovers and minnesota can force enough of those i think minnesota pulls out a close victory yeah i'm still fighting with myself between this i have vikings written down now because i kind of agree with you i think they realize that they are that good i think a lot of the country understands that um but my gut says cowboys I'm going to change and I'm going to take the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys have to get a win here. I really do. I think they have no room for air anymore, especially because they are in the NFC East with the Eagles. They really have to kind of win out right now if they have any hopes of winning the NFC East. Uh, So I'm going to take the Cowboys this week um, just because the 425 game is a little different than the 405 game. So I'm going to consider it semi-prime time. So Kirk Cousins, bad play in this game, gives the Cowboys the game. All right. So then we go over to the AFC West, Chiefs and Chargers, just – Everyone's taking Chiefs, and I'm one of them. Chiefs, Chargers, just one of the most unbelievably disappointing teams this season. One of the most injured teams all season. But to that point, Mitch, I told you in our preview show before the season, I was not a believer in this team strictly because of their head coach. Um, but yes, the Chiefs are going to win this game. So then we have a 425 between uh, what was it here? The Bengals and the Steelers, an AFC North matchup. Um, look, I don't think it's going to necessarily be as embarrassing. As some people might expect, uh, I'm trying to find out who, what the line is. Cincinnati by four. I, I still think you got to go with the Bengals in this one. The Steelers just don't have enough to overcome some of these uh, these better teams. You're spot on. I just don't see enough with the Steelers' offense, and the Bengals actually do have a pretty solid defense. Besides that Monday night game in Cleveland, I think the Bengals do win this one on the road in Pittsburgh. Okay, so then now we have the Monday night game, which is a West matchup between two teams that are really just trying to find themselves, the 49ers and the Cardinals. I, I feel I feel like I have to go with you guys, and I feel like this is an easy wash of a game, 49ers. I don't think the Cardinals can match up. I don't see how the Cardinals can, whether it's Kyler Murray or Colt McCoy or Trace McSorley. The Niners are just the better team in general. I'm taking the Niners. There's something about that Christian McCaffrey trade, man, where I think that offense can really match up now with some NFC squads. Despite their record, despite their start, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we could see another potentially deep run. Doesn't mean Super Bowl, but I could see it being um, divisional round at least, maybe to the NFC title game, depending on where their seating is and who they have to face off with. 
Uh, and then, of course, the end ending one, we always do it with the Browns, Bills, Browns, Bills, Browns, where, wherever it is, in Buffalo, Detroit. I like that there's one faithful fan out there, but I think I think the Bills still tough it out, even if it's in the snow. They're still going to have some passing that they can work with in crunch time. The Browns will not. Um, the defense for Buffalo, as questionable as it was against Minnesota, is not going to have any problems, especially compared to the Browns defense it'll be it'll be close if it's in the snow and it'll be a boat race if it's in uh at ford field i am taking the browns if this game is in buffalo and i'm taking the bills of this game's in detroit that, d- d- no you can't do that you can't do yes, that it can. yes it can why, why? It can. what because i truth truthfully think that the bills have no running attack whatsoever and that the browns can handle them in buffalo if they play in this snow if this game goes to detroit mitch i have no faith whatsoever I might turn on the game until it's already 21 to three or 21, nothing because we get the ball inside the red zone inside the 10 and we go for it on fourth down. Um, I, I, I don't trust this team at all, but in the snow, it adds an extra defender against a very hard passing attack in Buffalo. So I will take the Browns in Buffalo or if it's in Detroit, I'm taking the bills. I just edited your Google sheet for you. Enjoy that. All right. So who do you guys think will be the victors this week in week 11? Be sure to comment below or, uh, you know, we'll probably put out a question here on Spotify. As of now, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go over to uh, some more topics around the league, around the league of sports, including the NBA, where it seems like things are really going south of the Cavaliers. Stay with us. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216 hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. 
Altcare. Altcare, Altcare, where you matter. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. Hey, welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala. Let's go over to the NBA now, Mitch. Things are going weird for the Cavaliers right now. They lost five in a row after last night's drubbing to the Milwaukee Bucks on the road. And I get that the team has been without uh, some of its pieces. Jarrett Allen missed the game again with a non-COVID illness. Uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, had to deal with the ankle injury this week, but he did play. And right now, the Cavaliers, after looking like one of the strongest teams in the NBA, Starting to come back down to earth, it seems. What has been the biggest uh, factor in the Cavaliers not being able to close out some of these closer games they've had besides last night? I think it's a lack of chemistry. I think it's injuries. And I think it's them. I think they were in their head way too much after how the first nine games started going eight and one. I think they thought they were better than what they really thought so. But I also just think it's just a lack of consistency with the injuries and they're, they needed a wake-up call, and right now I think it's the perfect time. I'm not freaking out, Mitch. It's, what, week three or four of the NBA season. We're through 14 games. We're not even a quarter of the way through the season yet. Um, it There are some concerns, but nothing that really I'm worried about because you're missing Jared Allen. You're missing Dean Wade. The only thing I can tell you is Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens mean more to this team right now than Isaac Okoro and Karis LeVert because right now their minutes are useless. But I mean, outside of LeVert's 41 point game in Boston in that overtime uh, win, what, two weeks ago? What's he done? He has been very abysmal when it comes to offense. He's been bad when it comes to defense. Isaac Coro gives you nothing right now, offensively and defensively. This team is going to look so different come January once Ricky Rubio's back and you're able to stagger the minutes of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. I just. I'm not worrying yet. I would just say right now, it's just a lack of consistency with the overall team. Garland missed how many games Allen's missed what two in a row. Now Mitchell missed a game here and there. Dean Wade's out now. I'm not too worried, but I think that's why they're struggling right now and have lost five in a row. You may not be, I mean, I was about to say, you're not terribly far off when it came to uh, the get in your head mentality. Cause Jamie Bickerstaff after the loss kind of chalked it up to having a quote unquote fat cat mentality saying that they went out and won eight in a row. Everyone was given a slub and praise and got really comfortable. Uh, then, you know, once you got on the road trip, you see these meltdowns at the end, especially between LA and Golden State, uh, as well as the loss of the Kings. It's just, it's, it's tough. They can't close out these games like they were at the beginning of the year to teams uh, like the one we saw at home against Boston, where the team was able to pull it out in overtime. But I, I, I can see the team being able to, recover from this, get some of their guys back and see uh, where, where they go from there. They currently stand at fourth in the Eastern conference standing still even ahead of Toronto who beat them earlier in the year uh, and behind third place, Atlanta, who's really uh, breaking out this year, second place, Milwaukee and first place, Boston. So even though they had all these, uh, these potential issues, 
uh, not having your head coach to start for the whole year. This is still a very solid team that can play very good defense uh, and can put up some good points when necessary. And now they've won eight in a row. They're still the same team with a different head coach, and that really wasn't going to change a whole lot. I'm more interested to see what happens when you get into crunch time in the playoffs or you're battling for a spot with a game or two left, how they're going to go about it, and what does the interim head coach for the Celtics really do in those high-pressure situations? I think right now he's playing to his players' advantages and strengths, which obviously I would too when you have the Celtics and a number of stars on that team and talent. They're still a very talented team, Mitch. I think they're going to be a team that's tough to knock out, but I actually have a lot of confidence that the Cavs matched up with the Celtics still, even with how they're playing right now. I just think they're a, they're not a good matchup for Boston. The advantage would be Cleveland, whereas if you said another team, almost like last night, and Milwaukee was without a couple of their star players in Middleton and Drew Holiday, I still think Milwaukee's wins that over Cleveland in terms of advantage, but the Celtics are going to make that this run. They're going to stay in the top three of the East all season long. I just don't know what it's going to look like in playoff time, Mitch, because it's a completely different animal and beast. Yeah, and you look at the Western Conference right now where you have the usual suspects. Uh, the Western Conference right now doesn't have as many breakouts. It doesn't feel like. Phoenix is still in the running, even though they're at 9-5. and five. Denver, the same record. Utah, same uh, a better record, 10-6 and six right now. And Utah is doing some things. Laurie Markkinen looks like he's very fitting very well in that program, leading score for them so far this year. But Portland, of all teams, uh, is 10-4. and four. This is a very interesting um, situation, especially because looking at the difference between points per game and op- opponents' points per game right now, there is only a 2.3 point difference between the two sides. So Portland is kind of pulling out these victories, and Damian Lillard's still looking like the same all-star. And we've seen uh, some very impressive outings against the, the likes of Games against Miami, a win against Phoenix. You also have a uh, win against the Nuggets early on in the year, uh, as well as another one against the Suns and uh, the Kings as well. The Kings haven't been too bad. They had to, they did lose the Dallas Mavericks recently. What is it about this this Trailblazer team that's now a top five team so far? That's that's a good question. I don't stay up to watch uh, Portland, but Mitch, it's sometimes you just have to wonder if you break up a team the way Portland did just a couple of years ago with CJ and Dame. Does Dame almost take a different type of role? Obviously we know he's a superstar. He was on the all 75 greatest players to ever play the game. He's a tremendous talent, but surrounding them with other pieces that he can play with that it fits their ability. Almost. You wonder if that's better than having two stars like they did with McCollum and Lillard. And then you also had uh Nierkic down low at times, a couple other players, but, Listen, Portland off to this start, Mitch, realistically, before the season started, I didn't think they were going to be anything. And all of a sudden you look and they're four games away from being in Cleveland playing the Cavs, which all of a sudden that turns into a very, very fun and interesting matchup to see what that team looks like traveling you know, across the country to play us and how we stack up against a team that right now doesn't show signs of slowing down in the Western Conference. If you would have told me, I know it's early, but if you would have told me they would be the number one seed in the West, I would have never bought that from you. I wouldn't have believed it one bit. And here they are, 10 and four, six and four in their last 10. And really, I don't see any signs of them slowing down right now. They are a team to look out for. And uh, as far as teams that are kind of really sliding down the power rankings, looking at, I'm looking at ESPNs right now. Um, 
Golden State, we kind of talked about. They've been on a bit, a bit of a, a tough run. They got off to a bad start. They're six and eight right now, so they're kind of in the mi middle still. But it's it's kind of funny how they're not getting as much. Um, excuse me, I take that back. The Sacramento Kings in these rankings are 18th behind Golden State, 17th, and Sacramento has arguably gotten out to a well, it's not arguably, it's objective. They're seven and six right now, so they haven't gotten as much love. But I think that might change uh, here in the next week. Um, the Timberwolves, I'm really surprised that they've been struggling so far out the gate. Six and eight, number 21 in the rankings. Brooklyn number, is number 22. We know it's been going on uh, all with them. You know, Kyrie Irving could potentially join them as soon as this weekend, so we might see some, some more developments with them there. And then it's looking really rough for, you know, we, we always hear it's like, oh, they're always brought up in, in the basketball talks. But the Lakers right now are three and 10 with this team, man. This is that they have some teams coming up like Detroit where they can maybe get them back on track. But what happened to this organization, man? It just feels like a, a long ways away from their bubble victory two years ago. Don't worry, Mitch. Just do not worry. Anthony Davis said after the Lakers team meeting, the focus is on trying to get better, and they already won a game. They've won one in a row now. Another win would mean a winning streak. The Lakers might be back, Mitch. Don't panic. Because Anthony Davis said the, the meeting they had worked, and if you don't believe it, they won a game then. Uh-oh. Lakers back? Question mark? I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can sense the... Uh... That that tone in your voice, where uh, yeah, I, I I get again, I understand it's a little overboard with their, the talk of them sometimes, but it's but they're they're popular for a reason, and um, yeah, it's just not a very good basketball team. I don't I, I don't even know if they're gonna make the the postseason like I thought they were. I thought they'd be a playing borderline playing team, and now this is uh, might be looking at a top five pick. That also belongs to the Pelicans. That's right. Yes. Pelicans on the Lakers uh, first round pick this year, which if it fell right now, I believe they'd have the second best odds to get the number one overall pick and um, taking Webinyama from France. Uh, that would be scary if the Pelicans had him, Ingram, Zion, McCollum. Yeah. That would be a very scary team, a fun team. I would buy all the stock in the Pelicans. But yeah, the Lakers, Mitch, have to play for themselves because they can't play for a high pick in the draft because it won't happen. It, they don't have a first round pick, but Pelicans another team number five in the West right now, nine and six. I like what Zion's been doing so far and they've won three in a row. So that's really uh, what we got for the NBA. When we come back, our final thoughts on other things, uh, some quick baseball stuff, maybe some college football. We'll be back right after this. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris.
hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's time now to go over some of the uh, final stuff here, our final segment. Mitch, want to give a big congratulations? Not to you. I mean, you've been doing well enough in life, so you don't. You're you're, you're full on congratulations right now. Uh, but um, we wanted to give a shout out to Cleveland Guardians manager Terry Francona for winning his third count of third. Manage AL Manager of the Year honor, his third with Cleveland after his wins in 2013 and 16. So he gets one this year again, Mitch. And to me, this was arguably his best managerial job yet, guiding a team full of young players and especially rookies to 92 wins, a playoff series victory, and hope for the future. Yeah, I think this is his most impressive out of the three awards he's won here in Cleveland because, like you talked about, the rookies – low payroll, a team that was picked to finish fourth, some picked to finish fifth in media outlets and magazines. And they end up winning the American league central and winning the wild card round and taking the Yankees to five, uh, just a tremendous, tremendous honor for Tito. Uh, I would have been absolutely stunned Mitch if he did not win this because of, like I just mentioned the two big things that really a lot of teams can never overcome in a season with just one of them, let alone both of having the youngest team in baseball and a bottom five payroll. So it was a no brainer, especially once I saw Chris Antonetti, one executive of the year, I had a feeling Cleveland would sweep the honors and uh, how fitting, how fitting this is exactly how it should have been. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of outrage and debate contrary to the NL side of it with Buck Showalter winning NL manager of the year, uh, only improving his team's place by one spot in the NL East and then bowing out early in the wild card round. Well, yeah, let's get, let's get over that one real quick because the national league one went to Showalter who won a hundred and some games with the Mets in what was his first year as Mets manager. So, so he's able to turn around the team in that way. And then, yeah, losing the playoffs to a Padres squad that might not have been as good is not great. There were some talks, though, not so much that because of what Showalter winning, but because of the three finalists in there, you not only had him, but you had the mainstays in, in L.A. and Dave Roberts and Brian Snicker in Atlanta. Now, Dave Roberts, I get, I get because the Dodgers are so dominant during the regular season. You kind of have to put him up there. Atlanta, I was like, mm, all right, you're going to, okay, you're going to put that guy in there only because 
San Diego was able to still get into the playoffs and make a respective record under Bob Melvin with so many things happening to them. You get the injuries, you have the suspension of Fernando Tatis and this squad. I mean, the NLCS run makes it more so it's like, why didn't you make Melvin a candidate? But to me, I felt like that guy could have easily replaced Snicker. And see, actually, I'm on the flip side of you. I think Melvin should have been an option. I think Snicker, in my opinion, Mitch, deserved more credit than he actually got. His team was down 10 and a half games in the NL East and came back and won the division. Showalter's team choked a 10 and a half division game lead in August. And you rewarded to a guy who improved the team's record enough just to move up one spot in the standings yet wasn't good enough to win their division. I was kind of blown away by that, especially when you look at what their payroll is and the type of talent they have on that team. Um, I get it though. He's in New York. Obviously the bigger markets are going to get what they want. Um, I just thought Snicker deserved a little more respect because he did lead a team that was struggling all throughout early in the baseball season. And a lot of people wrote them off and they, here they are, they come back, they win the NL East, they host the first round playoff matchup only to lose to at the time, the hottest team in all of baseball in the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, but Hey, Showalter wins it. We'll have to see what happens there. Um, just kind of head scratching for me, in my opinion. Also the fifth place uh, manager, Rob Thompson, who took over midway the, the, through the season and ended up with a 65 and 46 mark. And, and then the trip to the World Series, which postseason doesn't count for this honor. But I don't know. I feel like a heat could should have been taken more seriously, too, because that was a team that was really struggling under Joe Girardi. And then you you make that run to the playoffs. A team, uh, I think, like the Guardians, the Phillies weren't expected to do much in this in this division this year. They sneak in as a second wild card team. Or the third, excuse me. And yeah, I, I would have taken it's one of those things where it's so in the middle of the season that it's a huge turnaround. I would have taken more stock into Thompson uh, getting an honor like that. But it goes Showalter for the fourth time in his career, fourth uh, different club that he earns the honor for. So congratulations to him. As far as uh, we have college football Saturday coming up, Ohio State has a game against Maryland. This is like the tune up for. Uh, next week in Columbus, which will be an interesting one. The playoff standings not really changing much. You have one through five remaining the same. Uh, you have LSU, then USC, uh, or USC, then LSU, or excuse me, I might have gotten that wrong. But uh, I, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on it, man. I'm keeping my eye on if uh, if Michigan has a game this week. That could maybe stir some fear into them going into their game against Ohio State. Because right now, again, I think Michigan's the, the tougher team going in compared to the Buckeyes. But Ohio State might have more overall skill and talent. Again, we saw what skill and talent did last year in Ann Arbor. And I actually will, will you know, back you on what you just said. Michigan's looked like the tougher team. Um, and you can take it one of two ways. Maybe they are the tougher team, or maybe Ohio State just realizes they're better than everybody they play. And their main focus has been on who they play next week, which Mitch, this is probably one of the only games all season that I'm, I'm worried about. I'm not saying Ohio state's going to lose 2018 though, Mitch, this same thing happened where they went to Maryland a week before they hosted Michigan and Columbus. And it was a game. It was a game that Ohio state just got out there with a one point win. Dwayne Haskins was the quarterback at the time. This is a trap game. It's for both schools. It really is because Michigan plays an inferior opponent this week as well. 
27 and a half point favorites for Ohio state against the Maryland team that I believe is six and four. They're not bad, Mitch. They really aren't bad. They actually hung around with Michigan in the big house for a while, which is another reason why I'm kind of concerned. What's Ohio state's running game going to look like? What is the weather going to be like? Can Ohio state throw? Obviously we're all focused on what next week is. Everybody in the media is on that too, which is somewhat worrisome to me because you never want to look ahead against a team like this on the road. And realistically, Mitch, if Ohio State or Michigan drop this game, they're done unless they were to win next week and then win the Big Ten championship. Yeah. But it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. I do expect both teams to win this week, but I do have my doubts just going into Maryland. It just worries me a little bit knowing what happened in 2018. Ohio State is 27 and a half point favorite going into this one. And Maryland has lost two straight games. They lost to uh Penn State last week, who is still a top 25 team. And they got handled by Wisconsin the week before. That's why I'm not too terrified of the Terps compared to, uh, to, to something like, you know, Northwestern in the hard rain or uh, just a few weeks ago, Ohio State took on uh, another opponent that kept them close in Penn State. Um, but yeah, Michigan game is going to be the one. It's, it's going to have to be the one where they really have to get their, themselves in order and prove that these weeks were just tune up in order to get themselves back in the playoffs. And then the SEC, looking at some of those matchups, I mean, Georgia is not going to have much problems against Kentucky, I would assume. You also have Tennessee going up against South Carolina and Alabama as the last, or LSU, excuse me, LSU as last gasp for the SEC against UAB. So there's not going to be a lot of contention probably there. TCU will play Baylor, which could be interesting, but I don't expect Baylor to beat them. Then Michigan, you said, takes on Michigan takes on Illinois, who is one of the top teams in the other side of the Big Ten, their division right now. Um, and then USC will take on uh, number 16 UCLA, which would have been a battle up for the top spot in the in the Pac-12 had UCLA not lost the week prior to uh, to to Arizona. So this is USC's last chance, Mitch. I mean, if USC yeah. loses through the Pac-12 is done, the Pac-12 has lost any shot of having a team in the college football playoff. Yeah. USC has the chance to show everybody that they're for real. They really do. Even um, Yeah. Even Utah number 10 is not going to make it. No, it's going to take absolute chaos and pandemonium for that to happen. So USC is the Pac-12's last remaining chance, in my opinion, without chaos ensuing. They have a chance to really help their case and prove to the committee that they are legit. They deserve to be ranked higher than what they are. That should be a fun game, though. I'm excited for that. I really am. Um, and I, the one game you didn't touch on is, you know, we do have uh, Alabama playing a vaunted opponent in Austin P this week. You know, Austin P, just a very, very good team. SEC football, man. You know, SEC football just plays a juggernaut of a schedule. Nothing like Austin P in Week 12. You were on a, you were on a sarcastic run. To, I mean, they are seven and three. I'll give you that, but. Is there, even, is there even a spread on this game? There's, uh, not, there's not even a spread. There's not? There's oh, not a spread. Wow. This, oh, this wow. is the, It's just for as much crap as Ohio State gets for their schedule, why does Alabama just get a free pass when they schedule Austin P? I mean, it's ridiculous. They schedule them a week before they play their rivalry game, and it's, it's, I just find it hilarious. I really because, because the committee didn't expect Alabama to lose to Tennessee and LSU at this point, and now that they have, it's like, eh. Who cares? You're probably not going to make it anyway, uh, unless LSU were to beat Georgia, Tennessee were to lose here soon. That I, I, there's too many teams atop the S, the SEC to let 
one of Alabama slip in at the last second, even if Ohio State and Michigan cancel each other out, potentially TCU would have to lose then. Uh, USC would have to lose. Oh, boy, there's just so much stuff that would have to happen. Um, yeah, the, the, I, I can't imagine them getting in. I'm looking at the, the five teams in the top. Maybe I shouldn't be doing it that way. I'm looking at the four potential conference winners. You have Georgia, Tennessee. You have Georgia and LSU, excuse me, for the SEC. You have Ohio State, Michigan for the Big Ten. TCU for the Big 12. And then USC for the Pac-12. Which of those four teams, Mitch, do you think is the most guaranteed to – no, that's not – I was going to say because SEC would be – okay, other than the SEC, let's go Big 12, Pac-12, and uh, Big 10. Which is the one that you think is the most guaranteed spot into the playoff in terms of representing a conference? If they all went out or just as it stands right now? I would say if if they were to – as, yeah, as it, as it stands say, right yeah. now. I would say if they were to win out. Win out, I mean, it's going to be the Big Ten winner, but that's not really the question you're asking. I would say it's TCU. TCU wins out there in because the Big Ten, um, there's always the chance they slip up in the next round. Yeah. I, we don't even know who's coming out of the West right now. We know for the fact, we know it's Ohio State or Michigan coming out of the East um, in the Big Ten. I would say it's TCU, though. They went out there in easily. Yeah. Like, there's no doubt about it. So then you have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan winner, and then TCU. Then you have two SEC squads in Tennessee and LSU, and then LSU would play Georgia in the title game. If Georgia wins, then LSU's done. That would open the door potentially for Tennessee to jump in, but only if, I think, USC does not win the Pac-12 title game, which I, I believe would be against Oregon. I believe so. I believe it. I'm not going with the Pac-12, uh, but no. To your point, yes. That's I, I personally think that they will take USC if they went out and run the table over a one-loss Tennessee team, because you would then have to move Tennessee, Mitch, to the three seed. And I don't think you can say Tennessee is good enough. I don't think they're going to let you watch Georgia and Tennessee in a semifinal game again. Um, I, I just don't think they would put Tennessee to four and let them play Georgia if LSU loses. Um, I don't understand how you could possibly say if it's Georgia, Ohio State, and TCU, how if Tennessee were to get in. They could be the four seed. Yeah. Wait, you think they're going to, you, you think they would jump undefeated TCU? No, I'm saying to this point, if they were to make a case as the fourth team, if USC loses or if oh. USC wins out, I pers- personally think USC is getting in over Tennessee. Yeah. My whole thing is I don't see how they would put Tennessee in and move them up to three because they're not going to want to see Georgia and Tennessee play in the college football, college football playoff oh. final game. And I don't see how you could possibly justify putting Tennessee in there to a team they already lost in the first round, let alone putting them in there and jumping them to three, even if TCU wins out, but all their wins are not as impressive. I don't, I don't, I don't see a world in which that's possible really. If USC wins out now, if USC does not win out, I see a, a spot where Tennessee would get the fourth seed, but if Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, and TCU all went out, Tennessee is going to only get in if USC loses, but do we really want to see them play Georgia again in the first round? I don't know. It would have been a better scenario than Georgia and Oregon again a few weeks ago. I mean, before Oregon lost, I mean, when they were still considering contention, Tennessee didn't play that terrible against Georgia. It could have been a lot worse, but Georgia did have the momentum for most of the contests. 
I could see it being closer on a neutral site potentially, but Georgia would be still be the heavy favorite. I would agree with you there. And then I'm still eyeing whether the result of Ohio State Michigan could lead to one of the teams slipping just barely. If it's like 43 to 42, Michigan pulls out a victory of Ohio State. Ohio State might drop to five or six, and then Michigan would have the huge advantage in the back Big Ten title game. And then Ohio State would be on the outside looking in, or vice versa. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. This is this is what happens every time I bring up the football playoffs, the college standings, is that I get confused and uh, trying to calculate all these things in my head at once as to who this will be. This is why there's a committee that's made up to make these decisions, and they'll leave it up. We'll leave it up to them in a few short weeks. So that is all we have for this episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Uh, you know where to find us, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And here on YouTube, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the bell, at Mitch Spinell on Twitter, at Mitch, Mitchell Bala on Twitter, and uh, at Big Time Sports Ohio on there. Uh, excuse me, BTS Ohio on Twitter, Big Time Sports Ohio everywhere else, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? And Mitch, before I get to the fact of the day, I just want to remind everybody that might be worrying, oh my gosh, high school football is any, what's next? High school basketball tips off next week, folks. Yes. And it looks like we might have a special guest on one of the episodes next week, if not next week, then for sure the ensuing week. But we are going to be getting some of the college, or high school basketball coaches in the area, trying to get them to appear on the show, talk about their team a little bit before we get too deep into the season. But don't worry. We know two things. We're going to have a Stark County team represented in the final four next week in division two for high school football and high school basketball kicks off. And that's exactly where our coverage is going to be shifting to here soon. Mitch, your fact of the day, we all know Heinz, right? Heinz ketchup and yeah. all the condiments. Well, the one thing we know is the number 57 is on there, 57 varieties. There aren't actually 57 varieties of Heinz ketchup. The owner and company founder, H.J. Heinz, thought his product should have a number. And he just liked the number 57. It was his oh, favorite so, number. So that wasn't even like a brand that started in 1957 or 1857. I'm fascinated by that. And um, a helpful hint for everybody at home, another fun fact of the day. If you have the old glass bottles of ketchup where you're typically told to hit it from the bottom, it actually works a lot better if you hit the 57 on the bottom. Yeah. Oh yeah. I learned that when I was a kid, when we, we started off with glass bottles when I was a kid and then moved on to the plastic bottles. Uh, that's fascinating. They don't even have 57 varieties. They do, however, have those dumb, um, you ever see those ones in the store where they mix the two different sauces into the bottle and they make like the different words, like, like, uh, crunch and honey racha. And I'm looking at these right now. Mayo racha, mayo must mayo. Ch that's, that's not, that shouldn't be legal. Anyway, thank you so much for uh, listening or watching the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.